this time? Yeah, so do I just start then? Yeah, anytime you're ready. All right. I am ready. Let us do this. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Initiative TV. I am your host, ghost hunter and paranormal author, Rick Hale. And with me, as always, is our second host, uh, Stephen Lancaster, uh, paranormal investigator, as well as uh, probably, quite possibly, one of the most prolific paranormal authors. It is my pleasure of knowing. <laughs> hey, Stephen. Wow. I know it's Christmas and everything, Rick. Uh, I'm look. I'm looking for that lucrative gift, my man. <laughs> you, you, you just gave it to me. You just gave it to me. That that was that was it right there. Merry Christmas, everybody! Open. And Merry Christmas. Know, yes. I don't know whether we should be excited or sad that you're choosing to spend your Christmas evening with us, um, but we thank you and uh, yeah. thanks to everybody who tuned in uh, for our debut episode. I think we're closing in on a thousand listeners. A thousand people. You know, I check back every couple of days just to see where we're at, and uh, I, I, I got it. It definitely exceeded all of my expectations. So, thank you to everyone who is watching us and uh, you know listening to us. And and it's it's exciting too the day and age that we're in because I don't know if you saw, but um, one of my friends, uh, Sean Bonney, he's actually mm-hmm. an old friend from high school. He was watching it on his TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we can do that on my TV, too. Yeah, well, like When I do exercises and stuff like that, I do it through the YouTube on our smart TV. So, yeah, you could have it on your TV. You can have it on your computer. You can have it on just about any medium that you so choose. Yeah, that was really cool because I, I have yet to do that. I got a nice 70-inch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to – I don't know. I'm kind of content seeing us this big. I don't think I want to see you at 70 inches. <laughs> No, I don't, think I, I don't think I want to look at myself 70 inches. <laughs> of course, that may benefit us in some situations. But anyway, we're not going there. It's a family no. show. It's a family, it's a family show, show, as we repeatedly said last time. Um, right. Just innuendos. Go ahead, so Rick. You know, Stephen, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us what everybody is to expect on uh, this week's show of the Shadow Initiative TV? Oh, my God. It's a lot. I have to bring up notes. When you got to take notes on the show you're about to do, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. But of course, we've yeah, got... I keep it keep it open right here on my phone. <laughs> we've got uh, Rick Hale's Rick Hale's Ghost Watch again, which that one ever really good. And this week it's going to be on the South Shields Poltergeist, um, and I can't wait to get to that part of the show because I have some questions about it. I've read about it, and I think this will be some interesting uh, discussion between Rick and I. Um, right. Rick is going to be doing the Ten Monsters of Christmas, which is really and there. Cool. Yeah, and there are some serious monsters um, uh, uh, with Christmas. Everybody always thinks of, like, you know, Christmas is all Santa and these cute little elves running around making Christmas toys. No, there are some serious, badass creatures that are associated with Christmas. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, just look at Christmas in general. If you get into the religion aspect of it, it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of um, dismal in a way. Um, no way. We've got uh, uh, a new segment called Haunted Salvage that uh, Rick's allowing me to squeeze in each episode. And the main reason I wanted to do uh, Haunted Salvage is because I am asked so much, because I talk so much about these allegedly haunted objects that I collect. A lot of them are behind me, um, excluding these three characters here. They are, they are <laughs> not, despite their appearance. Um, yeah. 
but a lot of people ask me, are you going to write a book, you know, on your, on your, your haunted objects? And I just don't feel it would be interesting enough because I have one or two that have actually done something to where I, I might believe they are haunted. And the rest would just be a retelling of the story of the object itself and the people who believed it did this, that, or the other thing. So we thought, hey, we could do it as a segment um, to where I just cover one of my items, tell you the brief story three to four minutes each week, and maybe that'll appeal to you guys. I don't know. Yeah, you know what's really amazing? I know that right now it's it's very, very popular the, um, finding haunted items online, um, you know, be it eBay or, you know, wherever. Um, I am always somewhat skeptical of that only because it's like, how do you know that that is, that item is truly haunted? Well, it's, it, well, I see the most with dolls. I, I have, yeah. I can't even count how many emails I have received of people wanting to buy Norman the doll for me, you mm -hmm. know? And, but most of the time, like on eBay and, and Etsy and all this stuff, when they're advertising a haunted doll, they have, like, went out of their way to find the creepiest, scariest-looking doll. Like, yeah. it has to look like that to be haunted. And uh, that's just not the case at all. Yeah, um, I agree. And, okay, and we're, we've got... Well, we're getting off track already. We're getting... Um, <laughs> we've got a Christmas Eve investigation that I did at a Scottish restaurant. We're going to be showing you um, a really cool photo, a couple of them, and some video... Uh, from that investigation, Rick has got a really cool image, and I, I believe it's it's Christmassy if I'm if I'm remembering right. At yeah, the uh, is, Tinker Swiss, is that right? Yeah, Tinker Swiss Cottage in Rockford, Illinois, which is in um, northern Illinois, off to the west. Um, you know, Rockford is one of those towns that is uh, um, very economically disadvantaged. But the Tinker Swiss is a uh, is a beautiful Victorian oasis among a very disadvantaged city, um, and uh, it's very very haunted. And later on, we'll show you guys uh, a picture that was that I took personally during a uh, tour with the Chicago Haunting Store, and uh, it's uh, it's 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 quite extraordinary. Yeah, I've already seen it. You guys are gonna see it. Um, I like it, and I wanted to make sure that I was researching the right place because I was trying to find some um, pictures and stuff of this Tinker Swiss location, and uh, I got a like like a cottage kind of feel. It, mm -hmm. Would you say that's correct to kind of have that kind of feeling? Yeah, it it is. Um, Robert uh, Tinker, who built the home uh, in the uh, 1800s, he wanted to bring kind of like that um, that uh, Western European cottage type of a feel to uh, to Rockford after coming from Honolulu, Hawaii, and uh, it's it it really is it's it has a cottage feel. It looks like a cottage, but it's huge on the inside. Yeah, that's that's what struck me as odd and was kind of confusing me a little bit when when I was researching the place to get prepared for your segment, and I was finding pictures. I would see the outside. And then mm -hmm. I'd see these pictures of the inside, and I'm like, there's no way this could possibly be the same place. Yeah. It's like that movie, um, I just watched it the other night, uh, new Kevin Bacon movie, um, You Should Have Left. I don't know if you've watched this movie yet or not. I have not seen it. Um, but long story short, 
him and his wife and child rent this house um, in Wales. And okay. on the outside, it looks one way. But when you go inside, it's wicked bigger. The halls are mm -hmm. super long. So he starts taking, uh, you know, a measuring tape and, and measuring from one wall to the other and then going outside and measuring. And there's this huge difference. Yeah. And he starts using um, a square and it's they really put some thought into it because nothing was angled right. Yet it looked like it was perfectly square. It was a different kind of ghost movie. It was it was actually pretty good. Well, I will have to check that out, you know, upon, you know, upon hearing that recommendation. But yeah, with the Tinker Swiss Cottage, it has often been called the time capsule of the Victorian era. So I can't wait for people to see this picture. Well, good. Well, with that being said. We're not going to tinker around anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nice. I, I have been waiting you for five minutes. Do... I've been waiting for five minutes. You had to do it. I, I apologize. I have. I have. I'm, I'm, I embrace the dad jokes. I, uh, you know. But anyways, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Merry Christmas. We're going to come right back after this commercial, and Rick's going to talk about the Tinker Swiss. We're going to show his image, and I think you guys are going to be uh, pleasantly surprised at this gift. We're giving you guys the gift of the paranormal tonight. So you guys stick around. Get with the goat and sell your soul at the Cut Your Heart Out design and fashion store. Visit CutYourHeartOut.Threadless.com to discover everything horror, dark, and occult related when it comes to walking with the shadows in style. Browse her art and find some sinister offerings to fill your home, spirit, and wardrobe. Greeting cards, blankets, clothing, masks, and everything your wicked heart desires. CutYourHeartOut.Threadless.com And be sure to like them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CutYourHeartOut.Fashion If you are dead on the inside, wear it proudly on the outside. And welcome back to the Shadow Initiative TV. It is our Christmas episode, where, as Stephen has already said, we are giving you the gift of the paranormal. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Rick. How's it going, buddy? Long time no talk. <laughs> it is going well. Thank you. So, hey, we're going to jump right into uh, this photograph that I have to show of the uh from that i took at the tinker swiss cottage now i'm going to give you a little bit of background on this do you have the picture up yes i'm looking at it right now okay you have the picture up so this was in november of uh 2019 and i was invited by uh tony zabelski and jack chavez uh who were work for chicago haunting stores out of Chicago, to come there and go on a tour. Now, I norm typically do not do ghost tours. I'm not really a fan of them. Um, I think that there's a there's more shenanigans that go on in these things than not. But um, the, the, what you're looking at right now is in the parlor. And here I have to look at the picture myself. Hold on a second. Um, okay, so what you where we're at is, is we're in the parlor. And you're looking at the Christmas tree. Now, to the right of the Christmas tree, you see what looks like a strange shadow. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Stuff? Yes, that's the first thing that stood out to me. Um, yeah. but, but go ahead. I don't want to say what I thought. You go ahead. See, okay. Now, after I took this uh, photograph, I talked to uh, Tony, and I asked him, I'm like, is there anywhere outside that window where a person can stand? 
and he was like, it is about 10 feet off the ground, and there is absolutely, there is nothing strong enough there to hold a human body. So what you're looking at here is, I believe you're actually looking at um, the apparition of a man standing just to the right of the Christmas tree as you're looking at the picture. And um, what really stands out with this picture, and I don't know if it stood out with you, Stephen, and hopefully it'll stand out with everybody else, is that it looks like it's wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you see, like, the Absolutely. brim yep, yep. of the hat? Like a fedora? Now, yeah, and this this hat was common for men to wear back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Now, whether or not it is the man who built the cottage, uh, Robert Tinker um, himself, I'm not willing to go out on a limb and say that. But when I look at this picture, I see what looks like a man standing there. Now, the interesting thing about all the evidence that's ever been captured at the Tinker Swiss Cottage, which is in Rockford, Illinois, um, most of the evidence that's ever been caught there is uh, audio. There are so many EVPs out there of hearing the voice of men and women and children. So this uh, this picture that I took is actually quite rare uh, from the Tinker Swiss Cottage, where I do believe, as well as many of my friends and some of my family believe, that it shows the apparition of a man standing there. I, well, okay, now now I'll go ahead and throw my two cents in. Um, when you first sent it to me, I think you sent it to me a little over a week ago, and as, and it was this big on my screen because you sent it to me on my phone. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing I noticed was that shadowy-looking figure, almost dead center in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up on the screen for you guys to see. This isn't like the picture you shared on the last episode. Right. This is vivid. I mean, this yeah. to me, there's no question about it. Now, you mentioned um, the possibility, could there be somebody standing outside the window? Mm-hmm. I didn't think that. Um, that. That, you know, initially I'm trying to debunk it, you know, but is that, I guess my question is, is the window floor to ceiling or is there a windowsill? Um, there is, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. Because... Unless that window was floor to ceiling, you wouldn't see the entire silhouette of a person standing outside, if that was even a possibility. But right. but as you described, um, it's not even a possibility for somebody to be standing outside. But with the windowsill there, you're seeing a full body. I mean, yeah, this is a full silhouette of a person. And it's interesting, too, because you can see the gap between the legs. Mm-hmm. And you, you can know, like see the, the hat. The person standing there. You know, almost kind of... Just really relaxed, looking at something. Um, I, I, my first, my very first assumption when I saw it, because that was immediately what my eyes went to, was that, that guy in the middle, okay? Was, okay, this is just a shadow of somebody standing next to Rick. Now, that yeah. is evidently and obviously not your shadow. You know, no. you, you can look at a shadow, and if you know the person well enough, you can tell if that's them or not, you mm-hmm. know, um, especially with me when I'm on investigations, because I'm typically wearing a fedora, you know, so I yeah. look like Indiana Jones standing everywhere, but, um, and and it doesn't look like, I mean, there's not a lot of, um, you can see some lights reflecting in the window, but there's not a lot of reflective surfaces, there, there's not a lot of shadows being cast in general. No, there so really that isn't. completely rules that out. I think you have 
a really credible um, piece of evidence when it when it yeah. comes to the Tinker Swiss. And, and after hearing what you just said um, about how rare it is to get um, visual anomalies like that, that is a keeper, my friend. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. It's it's one of my favorite pieces um, of evidence I've ever caught. You know, you did bring up the whole idea of shadows and reflections. Um, a friend of mine, a friend and colleague, Scott Musial of the Chicago Paranormal, um, of Chicago Paranormal, he he had some concerns about this, that this was actually the reflection of somebody that is standing just off. There, there's there's two versions of the picture. Um, there's, the, there's the one picture where it just shows the close-up, and then there's another picture where it actually shows Tony Zabowski um, standing off to the left, and there's a woman standing in front of the Christmas tree. But when the picture was taken, the picture was not taken with a flash. The right. picture was taken without a flash. That's clear. I mean, you can tell there's okay. no flash involved. Right. And every, where everybody else was standing, I would have had to have taken that picture way off uh, frame in order to get anybody's shadow casting into that area. So I, you know, I, I understand his uh, his objections and I understand his concerns, but I've had other people look at this picture who are into photography, and they're like, "There's just no way that that's a reflection of anyone or a shadow of anyone." Um, whoever that is standing there clearly uh, was not there physically. Well, I I hear that same thing a lot, and and it doesn't bother me because I do the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. When somebody presents me with a picture, I'm looking outside of that picture, okay? What am I not seeing, okay? Is right. Where are the other people? And, I mean, the only way to really satisfy them is to go back to that location and, and have a shot of the entire room where everybody was standing. And, and it's not hard, you know, it, it's just a matter of measurements and line of sight and stuff like that. If just yeah. looking at the image as it's presented, and as you all are seeing it on the screen, um, if somebody were to have been standing in front of that tree, the and that was a reflection, that would be physically impossible. The, yeah. the tree would be blocking any human being standing in front of it. And, and this is, you're kind of just a little to the right of where that guy would be standing. So mm -hmm. it's, it's nothing being cast from your side either. It, it, there's no line of sight, I guess is what right. I'm saying. To there, There's no point A and point B meeting that could possibly mean that that's a reflection or a shadow. Sure. Um, I think it's great. I think it's great. Oh, I think it's awesome. You know, uh, last, early last month, um, I went back to the Tinker Swiss and I uh, spoke there with my buddy, Mike Kravchek. We, we presented our own evidence. Uh, that picture was the evidence that I presented. And showed it to everybody, and everybody agreed that that is clearly a man in a hat standing there looking back at us. So, you know, I don't know who this man is. Like I said, I'm not willing to say that it's the man who built the place, but some people think that it might be. Um, all I can tell you is, is that seeing that picture and being at the Tinker Swiss Cottage twice, you would be doing yourself an amazing favor if you are ever in Rockford because that building is haunted. I have no doubt about it. And please, whatever you do, pay a visit. 
because you will not be disappointed. Well, you know, I tell people a, a lot of the times, you know, you're you're presenting a picture, and and there is uh, plenty more to the story than what is being told. Um, sure. And and what I mean by that is your research, and I, I tell people it's not just one piece that you get; it's it's all of the chemicals that that go mm -hmm. into making your decision onto whether or not a place is haunted. And, you know, with that being said, I am certain, even without asking you, that you have uh, found other things while you were there, have experienced other things while you were there. And so sure. I guess my question to you, if you want to touch briefly on it before we, we hit our next segment, is that particular night, was, was that the only thing, or, or were there other things that you can add to, to that mix? Or you, you know what I mean? I didn't experience anything myself that night that that second oh i'm wait a minute okay that night that i took that photograph i can't believe i almost forgot about this um we were upstairs in the master bedroom and all of a sudden i felt somebody run their hair run their hand through my hair it was plain as day now i gave kind of a knee-jerk reaction to it um i said would you stop touching my hair i said it like that so a little bit of background on that. When I when I went through chemo, I had lost all my hair, except mm. for my body hair. So that was really, really unfair. And, uh, <laughs> so I I got to the point where it's like, don't touch my head. I don't like people touching my head. So it was kind of like a weird knee-jerk reaction. So that night that I took that picture, I did have that second um, thing happen. But when I went back the second time and spoke... There, um, you know, nothing happened. Um, it was just a very run-of-the-mill kind of a tour. But, um, yeah, that, that that first visit will definitely go down in my memory as one of the most haunted places I've ever been. Oh, excellent. Well, I certainly enjoyed that. And uh, you guys... Leave I hope your, everybody else did. Yes, please, leave your comments. Um, you can do it on our Facebook group page for Shadow Initiative. Um, you can do it right here on YouTube. You can do it right now in the chat. Um we would love to see what you think because there is obviously something there. Um, with that being said, we're going to jump to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to take you to a Scottish restaurant and uh, show you a, uh, some really cool photographs and then some really cool video of undeniable ghostly activity. So stick around, guys. Rick, you stick around, too. I'll be right here. <laughs> okay, then. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Hey, my friends, check out my good friend Chris Beck and his work at All Around Art. From lifelike paintings to detailed sketches to phenomenal tattoo artistry, if you can dream it, Chris can bring it to life on canvas or your skin. His art has been showcased in published works such as the paranormal best-selling book Norman 2, The True Story of a Possessed Doll's Revenge. Visit him online at facebook.com slash allaround.art.54. Something's in the bathroom. 
Oh yes, the square has a ghost. This place is haunted, there is something here. You've got to be here, you've got to feel it to know it. Um, and things are happening every day, night or day. We were sitting, chatting, and uh, the doll moved. Came through the wine cellar and that doll was actually probably a good, I don't know, 12 to 15 feet away from that carriage. You always knew there was a ghost, but if you see something right then, you know there was something out there. I mean, it was a wee girl that moved the doll without a shadow of a doubt. The picture that was taken of the old house prior to it being attached to the country squire. Uh, Stephen actually uh, took a picture while we were in the wine cellar the one time, and uh, you can actually see the little girl. In this picture, um, you look in the left-hand window, and it's positively like a wee girl peering out. The night I captured her face in an image, in a photograph, was the night any doubt in my mind was removed. With that picture being taken, and then seeing this picture that's over in the wine tasting area, it starts to make sense. From seeing that wee face in the baronial hall window, puts it together that, yes, that was a wee girl. It was the child alive for the first picture? Who knows? Unannounced, these three darts came flying out the dartboard across the room. Yeah, I really want to know what she's thinking and what she's doing. You know, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I do come here is because I want to see from her point of view as a young child in the afterlife. Came out from the kitchen door into the lobby and saw a wee girl sitting on the steps. I would like to think that I would come back one day. <laughs> um, when it's such a part of you, and a lot of people have been here and love it, and loved it, just like I do. Hello, my name is Iris Lennon, and uh, I'm now the proud owner of the Country Squire Restaurant. Kind of a long story, I hope you've got a lot of time to listen. Welcome back, guys. You just watched uh, about a minute or two of some brief interviews from Miss Iris Lennon and a few of my former research colleagues concerning the Country Squire Scottish Restaurant. And uh, this is a cool place, Rick. Uh, mm -hmm. You, you want to talk about a place that... Now it's here in the States, despite okay. the name, but it's actually owned and operated by Miss Iris Lennon, who hails from Scotland. Okay. Um, she moved here from Scotland in the 60s and uh, took over this place. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was just a single building. Um, the picture that I'm putting up on the screen now is the original picture that was taken before they did any kind of uh, renovation, um, you know, before they started turning this thing into a restaurant. Okay. And uh, I believe I sent the picture to you, and it's on the screen now for you guys at home. Um, but you can see this old building, and what clearly looks like a child peering out through one of the window panes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my, my eyes were drawn immediately to that. I'm like, that looks like a little girl looking out the window at us, or at, at you. Now, now the story, the, the brief, here's a brief little summary of the story, is that used to be a lot of farmland. Okay. And uh, that particular building is one of the oldest buildings in that area. Like, it's deemed historic, that section of the restaurant. And it is now a section of the restaurant. This place is huge. Um, 
but there was a little girl on this farm who um, a farming accident killed her, and Aww. and there was actual damage done to her eyes. Um, she was deformed, um, and she later died from the injuries. Well, flash forward here, and the place has grown. It's super huge. There's wine tasting areas. There's a area called the Jester's Court, um, where they hold events. Um, God, I think this place will seat like 1,500 people. That's how big this place has grown. But the reason right. I say it's it's like taking a step back into time is when you walk in there, there's not a real light to be found. It's all candlelit throughout the entire building. Knight's armor everywhere. All kinds of um, Scottish decor. Um, apples mm -hmm. are everywhere because that's a big thing in Scotland as a courtesy. Um, yeah. Uh, knight's armor, I mean, swords, it's just the coolest place. You, you literally feel like you just walked, you know, into another time period. You know, it's funny because I was just saying to my wife the other day that, uh, because I myself, I am Scotch-Irish, and uh, I said to my wife the other day, like, you, you want to know what I would love to really try? And she's like, what's that? And I said, I would love to eat some haggis. So yeah. is this the place to go to get some haggis? Yes, absolutely. Yes. They, they do nice. have that. And it, it just seals the deal with Miss Iris because she walks around and she greets everybody and she talks to you and she's got that heavy Scottish accent, you know, so it just adds to the entire atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And um, I came into that investigation in about 2009 and was so convinced about the, the place that I moved on to the property to finish uh, a particular section of one of my books that was on the Country Squire, because not only is there a restaurant, there's their vintage inn, there's a vineyard where they make their own wine. The property's huge, so I lived there for quite some time mm -hmm. and you know experienced my own things. With that being said, that's how I ended up investigating the location on Christmas Eve, okay? So in my mind, I, I, I had been researching this place for three years, four years, and my philosophy is, you know, it's always been investigated after the place closed for business and you mm -hmm. spend the night in there. Well, it's never been investigated on a holiday, you know, okay. nobody's ever been in the building. Um, I had such trust with the family. I had a key to the building. Okay. Okay. So I go in there with a few investigators and, you know, some of you may or may not have seen me run around with these goggles that I've custom built. Um, I'm up to Wait, custom built those? Right, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm up to version two of them. And, and there's, there's a couple pictures on the screen you guys can see. My whole concept was that I believe you have a better chance of seeing apparitions or spirits if you, can, if you have other ways of visualizing them, so to speak. And I decided to go with a vision that that is the 720 nanometer light spectrum which is the light that infrared creates okay not infrared light but what it creates and that's anywhere from 720 to 920. so i built the first pair and those were simply just to take pictures they were not mobile in any way mm -hmm. um, once you flip these things on you're in total blackout okay so I'm sitting in an area called the wine cellar, and I hear what sounds like a little girl. So okay. I start looking around, and I start snapping pictures. And the pictures I'm showing you on the screen, you're only going to see that particular color 
if it comes into your line of sight. See, now, I'm slightly colorblind, so I can't really tell what color that is. What is that? I It's red. I mean, it's as red, red. as red okay. gets, okay? okay? And I always joke that red finds the dead. That That's okay. been my whole thing. And you can vividly see in the picture I'm putting up there for you now, this girl was about three feet in front of me. And you mm -hmm. can see the long hair. You can see her nose, her chin, her face. You can see what looks like eyes that have been deformed in yeah. some way. I was completely convinced at that point. Like, wow, this is a a very vivid picture of this little girl. And you guys decide at home that are looking at it on the screen. But it went a step further from there. We had a self-proclaimed psychic with us that evening. And mm -hmm. all she kept saying... And, I, and I'm trying to find the audio clip because everybody get a kick out of this. Um, she kept saying that the little girl's moved on. The little girl's not here anymore. Okay. Well, clearly which, she is. Which which we knew better. Well, she's standing. I'm standing there with my investigators, and she says the girl is not here anymore. And as vividly as I'm talking to you, we all heard a little girl laugh. Mm -hmm. And I mean, immediately we're shooting looks at each other, like, "Did you hear that? Did you hear that?" Her, you know, the, the psychic's face went beet red, right? <laughs> We're all thinking, this this little girl just punked you, you know what I mean? She's she throwing some shade. punked you. And, and so the night continued on. And, and I'm sitting in an area called the Mead Hall. And this is the mm -hmm. video I'm putting up on the screen for, for you guys now. Um, you can see all the candles on these tables out in front of me. And I'm doing a communication session. I'm tired as can be. I mean, I can barely enunciate because um, we had been investigating for days. And as a matter of fact, that particular day, we had just come back from another investigation to do this investigation on Christmas Eve at this location. And in the back, you hear this clump, 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 like something fall. At the time, I didn't see what actually fell. It was after the fact I realized it was a candle got knocked over. Yeah. And then I stand up and I'm asking for it to happen again. And a candle closer to me, I mean, plain as day, right right in front of me, on the camera, boom, just falls out of the candle holder and onto the table. Country Squire, March 29th, approximately is an awesome piece of footage it is see and you know when i was watching it i had to watch it a couple times um to see the candle fall only because my attention was drawn to what i thought was a shadow that was moving through the area and so at first i didn't see the candle fall and, and you're not the only one because i i've probably watched it 200 times at this point and it, it's one of those things where we're talking about an eight-year-old piece of footage, eight-year-old camera technology. There's some pixelating, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Um, it's not adjusting well to the, the black and the white balance. 
And I saw that same thing, but because it just, it wasn't vivid enough, I, I don't push that on people. But then mm -hmm. you mentioned it without, I didn't even utter a word to you about that. Right. And that was one of the first things you said. You know, my my focus, I thought you, you were going to have on the candles, but that was one of the first things you said was that shadow. Yeah, I didn't see the candle, but I definitely saw the shadow. And, you know, and, 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 I, know, and I know what you're saying about, you know, old school digital. Personally, me, when it comes to, you know, taking pictures, I do prefer 35 millimeter mm -hmm. because you're not going to get all that pixelation. And I do prefer still using um, um, videotapes if I can find them. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, I, I'd, I'd have to say that... Uh, Digital technology has definitely gotten much better, and there's not all that pixelation now that messes up this kind of a thing. I agree. I, I use both because I, I'm a lover of actual film because film, mm -hmm. you, you have this physical hard copy, and it's so right. it, it's it's more difficult to manipulate something on film. You know, the digital copy you can drop into your computer, and it can get manipulated in so many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, with, with the film version, you've got something that you can give an analyst and say, here, look at this. Was this tampered in any way, you know? Yeah. So I, I like having both, and I usually run both. My camera rig has a digital video camera and a little VHC video camera all on the same rig. Mm -hmm. Not counting the head cam I'm wearing and what my new goggles do. The, the new version of the goggles, the pictures that you're seeing on the screen, now allow me to walk around because that was a big thing, mobility. And now they, they film video. So if I would have had those then and got actual video of this red mist shape of this little girl moving, that would just have been great. Now the photo is all I've got. I'm not going to complain about it. But <laughs> now I've got the video version. And... I'm surprised you've never seen it, Rick. Um, if you guys go to Facebook.com slash TV or even on this YouTube page, um, scroll down until you, you see a video called um, New Ghost Hunting Goggles or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's where I show you how I built these things and then do a test run with them and show you exactly how they work and what you see. Oh, no, I've seen I've seen yes. a video and pictures of you with this. And being the you know the gigantic Star Trek nerd that I am, I immediately think resistance is futile. You look like one of the Borg when you're when you're decked out with the whole thing. Of all things, of, of all, all things, things, you look like a Borg. <laughs> I figured you know with my pale skin and, and all that, uh, you, you didn't throw out some kind of data comment or something. Nope, you look like a member of the Borg. Resistance is futile. And y'all remember that. I don't know why, but y'all remember that. All right, so there's your there's your Scottish in. There's there's tons of information on that online. Um, they embrace it. Miss Iris embraces it. Um, the video of the interview of her that you saw, she's in tears at one point. That's how much she believes in what's happening there. And I'm not the only one. A lot of other investigators have been in now that location in the past 15 years. There's lots of video out there. Uh, more you can find from me. More on this YouTube page. Um, and in books, I'm not the only one, so it's, uh, you can get other people's opinions too. But yeah, I'm that, definitely going to be looking more into that. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. At one point we were going to shoot a documentary and we did a lot of the filming for it. Um, but ran into some legal issues when it came down to it, but we did get a lot of, a lot of stuff for that. And that's where those interviews came from actually was the intended documentary that you guys just saw. But <laughs> with, uh, 
um, uh, Rick Claus over there. What what do we got coming up next, Rick? I got to look at our thing here. Um, after this, when we come back from a break, we are going to be doing the creature of the week, the ten monsters of Christmas. Oh my God, we're there already. We're there already. Can you believe it? Man, Chris, you know, it's true what they say. The, you know, the older you get, things just fly by. Christmas is almost come and gone. Oh, yeah. We're, f- we're, we're, five, we're five days out from this now. And uh, uh, um, I actually prefer Halloween. That's my jam. But, uh, you know, I, th- this year, because of everything that's going on with COVID, and I know it sounds kind of strange, but I am feeling uh, some unusual holiday cheer this year. I, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love Halloween too. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's like yeah. I like I said on Facebook the other day. All these people, you hear it all the time. I wish Halloween was year round. You know, find the best in this pandemic. You can make it year round now. We're allowed to wear masks. Mm-hmm. That's how yep. I look at it. And, and I wasn't joking. I'm thinking starting in the new year of getting a Boba Fett costume, and that's how I'm going to go in public from now on. Do it. That's Halloween year-round, folks. There you go. You guys have the opportunity. You know, I can only show you the door. You've got to be the one to walk through it. There's some Morpheus for you. (laughs) Or something. Anyways, guys, we're going to be right back. Raquel's going to take us down a very scary road with the Ten Monsters of Christmas. So stick around. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Christmas episode of Shadow Initiative TV with uh, Stephen Lancaster and myself, Rick Hale. Um, We have seen some amazing footage and amazing evidence from two very, very haunted um, places. But now we're going to switch gears. We're going to go from ghosts over to monsters. Is that correct, Steve? Yes, monsters. Now, you know, I've never made it, um, I have always, I just have to find it here real quick. Now, although psychical research is my very first favorite, cryptozoology is my, is a very, very close second. Like, I love monsters. Some of the first books that I took out were, of course, of ghosts and hauntings, but also of cryptozoology. But here's the interesting thing about this, okay? Okay. I think that everybody in the Western world always associates Christmas with Santa and his cute little elves building toys and delivering them to children. But here on the Creature of the Week, we're going to be looking at 10 monsters that show that there is a darker side to Christmas. Yes, the uh, Bumble, um, you know, Bumbles bounce apparently, so. They do. So, 
I, I found this uh, from a friend of mine, Alex Matsuo, on Facebook. And, you know, I asked her, I'm like, I think that this is one of the most brilliant things in the world that I want to bring this to the Shadow Initiative uh, TV. So, you know, Steve, Stephen, I believe that you have some pictures that you are going to show us. Yes, sir. I'm going to be operating the switchboard while Chris does, or Chris, <laughs> Christmas, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Rick is what I was trying to say. Well, Christmas Rick. I'm a dingle ball. Uh, anyway, you know what? He's just going to do his things. I'm going to do my thing and put pictures up. You, you go ahead, go. Okay. <laughs> so before I get started, I'm going to, I, I will just say this. Some of these are really, really difficult to pronounce. And the first one that I have is probably the most difficult one to pronounce. So it is the, the Kali Kant Zaros. Now, the Kali Kant Zaros comes from Southeastern European and Anatolian folklore. Um, what these guys do every year around Christmas, they try to chop down the world tree, the tree that holds the earth up. Okay. But the tree is so big before they can even get to it. The Christmas is the 12 days of Christmas are over and the tree heals themselves. They go, they take a little break and then they come back and they try to cut down the world tree again. So these are not, you know, friendly little guys like uh, like Sans elves running around uh, trying to make uh, Christmas a much better place. So essentially, they fail. At, they fail at their mission, and with that being said, they should probably just give it up and branch out into some new material. Right, but they don't. It's another they dad go joke. Right back to it. It's another dad joke. Oh my god, we call them uncle jokes around and here. We're, we're only on number ten, folks. Now, the next one, which I think actually should be number one, is the big daddy of all Christmas monsters. And that, of course, is the Christmas demon himself, Krampus. Correct. Okay, now, growing up in a primarily Irish-American family, we didn't have uh, Christmas demons. And we didn't have, you know, these guys like Krampus coming in the middle of the night to steal kids and beat the hell out of them with uh with reeds in a sack we didn't have any so uplifting exactly it's very uplifting i didn't i had no clue what a krampus was until i met my wife who is uh swedish and german i'm sorry swiss and german so this is like a huge part of their saint nicholas and christmas tradition and um so every year we have like this huge party it's a saint nicholas and saint nicholas comes brings the kids some toys and, and and treats and stuff like that but krampus comes and whoever's been a sourpuss that entire year gets this krampus's staff so i i just i i, I want to read the whole thing that it's here with krampus because i think it's you know it's such a funny thing that i had no idea existed until maybe 20 years ago so krampus according to Alex, was her gateway to Christmas monsters. And here it is. The day before St. Nicholas Day, Krampus and St. Nick go to houses and give away presents or punishment. St. Nicholas will reward the good children with, present, with presents, while Krampus will reward the naughty children in a most terrifying way. He will beat them with birch sticks, put them in a basket, and take them to hell. So, I, you know, it... They love scaring the hell out of children on Christmas. So if you look at the Germanic lore of Krampus, he will actually eat the naughty children. This seems more effective than Elf on a Shelf, right? Now, I would say, so. I mean, my son, he's got an elf. He's got Keith. But uh, we definitely uh, 
scare the hell out of them every year with Krampus. And why not? You know, I'm all for hashtag yeah. bring Krampus back. Everybody, yeah. start that campaign. Let's make this thing go viral. This is what today's kids need. They need a little fear. Not like, they, oh, you know, Santa Claus is watching, you know, and if, if you're not a good little boy and girl, he's going to give you coal. Well, that's really intimidating, you know? That's but if you tell them this ugly creature, demonic-looking thing, is going to snatch you and eat you alive, you'll still be alive when he bites mm -hmm. into you. Oh, yeah. Okay? Same I around. guarantee you, you will have the best kids of the season. Hashtag bring back Krampus. Krampus. Krampus, Krampus, I don't know. It's, I, think it's, I think it's pronounced both ways. So our second one is uh, comes all the way to us from Norway and Sweden. It is the Lussi. And uh, basically the Lussi is portrayed as a beautiful woman in a white sash. And St. Lucia's Day, which is on December 13th. Lucia is seen as somewhat angelic and pleasant. But just a few centuries earlier, Lucia was known as Lussi. And she wasn't quite so nice. Back then, Lussi is portrayed as a hideous demon who travels by broomstick with her legions of demons, trolls, and other evil spirits. So, you know, it, it's it's sort of like very similar to um, the Baba Naga of Eastern European, as well as the Christmas witch of Italy. So this is a witch who became a saint, and now they have St. Lucia's Day. But originally, she was this... Uh, you know, basically uh, Queen of the Damned. Succubus. Yeah. The exactly. original Mrs. Claus. Like, actual Claus. Man, I'm on a roll. Yeah, you, the, the dad jokes are everywhere. Okay, so our next one comes to us, again, from pretty much the same part of the world. It is Frau Perkta. Now, this is an actual witch. Um... Uh, you sh uh, let me see what she says here. Uh, while Krampus may be her first love, Frau Perkta is a current love for, for the author of this. Um, Frau Perkta is the upholder of cultural taboos, especially when it comes to spinning and weaving. She should, you should have your spinning done by Christmas, plus eat fish and gruel on Frau Perkta's feast day. If you haven't finished your spinning or abide by Frau Perkta's feast day, there is hell to pay. During the 12 days of Christmas, she roams the countryside, going into homes. She, you will, she will know immediately if you're naughty or nice, if you finish spinning or ate fish and gruel. If you're nice, you get a coin. If you're naughty, she will slit your belly open, take out your insides, and stuff you with cabbage and straw. So seriously, this is so far. This is incredibly delightful for the Christmas season. So yeah, now might be a good time to say if you have little children in the room, uh, tonight's episode might not be quite appropriate for them. Uh, there's there's going to be nightmares involved here. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are not. Uh, do we need to have? Maybe our audience needs to start signing waivers before they watch this show. There is no sugar plums in dreams tonight, kitties. Not unless they're poisoned, apparently. So here we go. We're on to our second one. And these guys are actually the helpers of Frau Perkta. They are called the Stragil. And the Stragil is, looks very much like Krampus, except there's not just one of them. There is a lot 
of them. And they are a, the Stragil are a band of demons that help Frau Perkta during the 12 days of Christmas. They love feasting on leftovers during this time. If you don't leave out your leftovers, then they go for something much more succulent, your wallet and your children. Yeah, it's all about eating the children. It's all about eating the children. It's, it's, it's amazing how it seems like it's okay in the Germanic world to scare the hell out of kids on what is supposed to be the happiest day of the year. I think it's saying a whole lot more than that, Rick. I, I think it's... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of starting to share their point of view when it comes to children. Oh, I yeah. mean, let's face facts. Our children nowadays are just running rampant. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just disturbed, but I, I'm, liking, I'm liking this so far. I, I definitely think that we need to bring some of these back. Um, <laughs> okay, so our next one is called the Gryla. And, and the Gryla is, it comes from Icelandic folklore. She is a giantess, and um, each Christmas, Gryla comes from her cave in the volcanic mountains, and she will take all of the naughty children in town and puts them in a bag. She will carry all the naughty kids back to her cave. Then she boils them alive and eats them. The Icelandic government ended up banning the use of Gryla to get kids to behave. So like, so it, it, it took like a governmental edict to say, hey, look, Stop scaring the hell out of our kids with Gryla. That is serious, man. That is serious. <laughs> For real. Boiling For real, them I mean, alive. Boiling them alive. And it actually took the government to say, hey, knock it off. So, okay. Our next one is called the Yule Lads. Now, the Yule Lads are a band of brother you don't want to mess with. These 13 brothers wreak havoc in the nearby village They come to town one by one, visiting kids during the 13 days before Christmas. Children leave their shoes out on a windowsill, and each Yule lad will leave a present in their shoe. If the kid is naughty, they will get a potato. I think it would be hilarious if, like, the Yule lads took a poop in their shoe, but that's just me. Uh, The Yule lads will also cause chaos based on the name. For example, Spoon Licker, this is like one of the Yule lads' names, Spoon Licker will lick spoons. Window peeper will peep into windows and steal stuff inside. And the sausage swiper, that just sounds naughty to me. I don't know about you guys listening, but I don't know about you, Steve, too, but that just sounds naughty. Um, He steals (laughs) sausages. So the Yule Lads aren't quite as deadly and won't really eat kids, but I'd be fearful of them leaving a potato and possibly a Yule log in my shoe. And so they're kind of the Christmas demented version of the dwarves, but there's 13 of these guys. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, The next one is the Jola Koturin. Now, the Jola Koturin is a large cat um, that is actually Gryla's pet. And if, now, if Gryla is a giant, she's a giantess, you know that the Jola Katurin must be also a giant cat. There would be a cat on this list. There would be. Yeah, there, there would be, definitely. Um, now, on Christmas Eve, Jola Katurin, or Jola as it's, uh, you know, it's shortened, um, it wanders the countryside and eats anyone who isn't wearing at least one piece of clothing. So if you're ever in Iceland late at night, be sure that you're wearing clothing. Otherwise, Jola Katurin is going to eat you. 
So don't be naked, folks. Don't be naked. Because I can't promise anything. If I'm ever in Iceland and I've been drinking some delicious Icelandic beer, I cannot promise you that I will return because I may get eaten by Jola. I mean, is it logical to walk around Iceland naked? I mean, is well, this a was... common thing that they've got to create something <laughs> to scare people not to do it? Well, if it was Greenland, yeah, because Greenland is like practically uh, living in the, uh, you know, near the North Pole. But, um, you know, with Iceland, they're, they're a little bit more moderate temperature. But, yeah, they do have cold winters. So uh, if you're going to walk around naked and a chance being eaten by, by this Jola Katurin or Jola, you know, make sure you're doing it in the middle of summer. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the next one that we have is a being called Bell's Nickel. Uh, Bell's Nickel is actually has some of the same characteristics as Krampus, but he's not as scary. He's a crotchety old man dressed in fur who works alongside St. Nicholas. So actually, we're talking life goals here because I want to be a crotchety old man working for St. Nicholas. I was going to say I'm halfway there. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, he will bring presents for good children and whipping naughty children. He may be based on Necht Ruprecht. Uh, what's interesting is, is that he has been known to wear a mask with a long tongue, which, of course, sounds like Krampus. So Krampus may actually be based on this uh, Bell's Nickel. And yeah. uh, Krampus just took on a whole life of its own. Or it could be like a Clark Kent Superman thing. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Maybe when so he's, he's trying to escape the Krampus thing, he, you know, I'll pretend I'm Krampus. If I pretend I'm Krampus, nobody will actually think I'm Krampus. Yeah. So he wears glasses and he walks around uh, reporting uh, news stories. Yeah, makes sense yeah. to me. So now this one actually comes from South Wales, which is in the United Kingdom. And uh, it is called, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly because the Welsh pronunciation of words is never pronounced how it's actually spelled. And have you ever heard, the, have you ever heard Welsh spoken? Mm -hmm. Actually, the movie that I was suggesting to you early in the show, the Kevin Bacon movie. Uh-huh. That's in there. Yeah, it is a, it is a, uh, to me, I think it's a really cool sounding language. But the Mari Lwyd, it's spelled M-A-R-I-L-W-Y-D. And the reason that I spell it, because I know that I'm going to have some of my uh, 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 English friends who are going to be like, hey, you pronounced it incorrectly. So, okay, so the Mari Lid is kind of a Christmas zombie. So this is our first zombie on our list here. So this is, this is fantastic. It's a Christmas zombie horse that wants to eat and drink everything in your house. Um, dressing up as a Mari Lid involves a horse's skull on a pole, already I'm in, while the person is hiding under a cloth. During Christmas, Mari Lid stands outside your door and sings songs to get inside. The person living inside has to respond with their own song. This back and forth of singing continues until someone relents. If it's the homeowner, Mari Lwid gets to raid their pantry and drink all their beer. So oh. again, I'm totally in. I'm, I'm, I'm in for this. Wow. <laughs> I am in. So that is the 10 monsters of the most joyous time of the year, Christmas. So I just wanted to say thank you to Alex Matsuo for allowing me to... Um, read your article on air it was it was a lot of fun yeah it was uh, certainly interesting it was also eye-opening 
And and like I say, I support a lot of it. You know, I think we need to bring more culture into this country, and eating mm-hmm. children is is the first thing I would suggest. Uh, that's fantastic. And um, drinking all your beer like the uh, Christmas zombie horse. Right. I mean, and if you you look at, I mean, American the the American stories suck. We oh, yeah. don't, we don't have anything good like that. Nothing threatening. Right. Nothing scary. You know, children are completely, they're living a lie right now. You know, and, and it's funny, too, because a, a lot of the cultures where these where these come from, every, practically everybody in the United States is descended from them, but they just have not held on to those cultural taboos and cultural monsters, rather, deciding to Americanize Christmas. And let's face it, like Christmas over, over in Europe, according to these stories, is nothing like the Christmas that we have here. I mean, there's actually like dangerous things that are involved in some of these monsters. And uh, yeah, I, I agree, man. Bring it back. Yeah. I mean, we get this. Who ends up being a good guy in the end? You know, <laughs> this is not frightening. This is the what bumble we get. bounces. What yeah, we but get. you know what? You know, I, I like that guy right in the middle right there. I've actually seen him at Toys R Us before. That one's awesome. Yeah. He's a not so good. See, this is the guy we need to be telling stories about. When right. you go to tuck your kids in next year, next Christmas Eve, have one of these and just <laughs> present him just like this and make sure yeah. your child, stare at it. Stare, look, look at him, you know, make sure scare, they look at it. And scare tell your them, kids straight. Yes. Say, you want presents tomorrow? I'm Look, I'm just going to set him right here on your nightstand. Just, I don't know. You know, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I almost spat that pop out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're coming back to a new Ghost Watch segment. Really cool one, too. It's Christmassy. It's not as deadly or as, uh, you can bring the kids back, I think, now, maybe. It is frightening, though, So, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, kids are being gutted and being eaten alive. So, With your beer. We can, with your beer, right. <laughs> so you guys stick around. We'll be right back with Rick Hale's Ghost Watch. Looking for unique handcrafted gifts or accents for your home, office, family, or friends? Check out Shadow Creations, your one-stop custom shop for one-of-a-kind designs for the eclectic mind. Unparalleled Creations by Christina. Like Shadow Creations on Facebook at facebook.com slash cflancaster. And stay up to date on her daily releases available to you and easy to find at etsy.com slash shop slash motley by Christina. Shadow Creations. A little motley, a little curious, a little bit different. Browse Shadow Creations at etsy.com slash shop slash motley by Christina. Poltergeist, without a doubt, is the most frightening and misunderstood phenomenon in psychical research. For centuries, individual people and entire families have claimed to be besieged by what they believe to be an angry spirit taking out its vengeance upon them. 
In the northeast coastal town of South Shields, a young family claimed to be under attack by this mysterious force and lived to tell the tale. The terror that would become that would come to be known as the South Shields Poltergeist began in earnest in December 2005. Up until then, the young couple and their three-year-old son that resided in the house had never experienced anything they would consider otherworldly. The house had always been quiet with very little trouble of any kind. The activity began with the occasional door opening and closing on its own, as well as chairs seemingly moving of their own accord. The couple, being of sound mind, dismissed the seemingly anomalous phenomena as nothing more than the house settling, or perhaps a strong breeze broke blowing through the house. However, their dismissive attitude vanished on Christmas night when their son's toys took on a life of their own. As the couple lay in bed, the unthinkable occurred. One of the son's stuffed toys suddenly appeared by the door and then launched itself across the room hitting the wife in the face. For a moment, the couple sat in their bed, trying to make sense of what just happened. Suddenly, the couple found themselves in a tug of war as some unseen phantom attacker tried tearing the bedclothes from their bed. The encounter came to an abrupt end when the husband felt an unbearable searing pain that ran down his back. When his wife inspected his back, terror gripped her heavily beating heart. Running down his back were 13 angry red scratches that burned like fire. This was only the beginning of the terror that would envelop the young family and their once quiet home. Following the initial encounter with their phantom attacker, the activity wasted no time in progressing to an unbelievable level. Whomever or whatever was causing this used their child's toys as its weapons of choice. Two frightening incidents that involved their son's toys stood out from among the rest. One day while cleaning the house, they discovered a rocking horse hanging by its neck from a ceiling fan. And the next day they returned from an outing to find a stuffed rabbit at the top of the stairs, menacingly clutching a box cutter in its fuzzy arms. The young couple felt threatened by these two instances and questioned whether or not this thing was capable of physically harming them. Threats of bodily harm presented themselves when the couple began receiving threatening text messages on their mobile phones. These texts couldn't be traced back to any phone and read either, you're dead or die, bitch. The entity then turned its attention to their young son by hiding him in strange places about the house and disturbing him as he slept. The young couple began to despair, believing there was no end to their trouble. So they did what some people do in a situation such as this. They reached out to local ghost hunters. Upon hearing the bizarre activity the family was experiencing, local paranormal investigators Mike Hollowell and Darren Ritson answered the call to investigate the haunting. Typically, when paranormal investigators enter a house, the ghost may hide, ending its activity altogether. Not so with whatever terrorized the house in South Shields. Whatever this inexplicable force was that haunted the house was by no means shy in presenting itself to Ritson and Hollowell. The two men documented objects balancing in angles that defied logic and gravity. They also witnessed threatening messages appear on paper and on an Etch-a-Sketch. 
The activity in the house appeared to be nothing more than out-of-control psychic energy on the loose. But according to the investigators, an intelligence appeared to be at work behind the phenomena. An intelligence they would soon see. On several occasions, Ritson and Hollowell caught a glimpse of a large black shadow lurking about the house. They described it as being black as night and giving off a feeling of pure evil. As if something from the realm of nightmares gained access to our world. Unfortunately, the duo were unable to catch the entity on film. As with most reports of poltergeists, the activity in the home abruptly stopped just as it had began. The horror the couple and their son were forced to endure was now over. But that didn't stop them from selling the house and moving far away. As with most tales as frightening as this, we must think skeptically on their story. People do make things up for attention, after all. Due to this, Ritson and Hallowell came to the defense of the family and their story claiming every bit of it was true. They even wrote a book entitled The South Shields Poltergeist, One Family's Fight Against an Invisible Intruder. Today, the young family's life and house appears to be free of any supernatural trouble. However, they remain ever watchful, waiting to see if their son's toys will once again take on a life of their own. I'm Rick Hale. And this has been Ghost Watch. Dun, dun, dun. Absolutely. So this is, this is an, an amazing story, only because I had never heard of it until I was actively looking up uh, poltergeist cases in England other than the Enfield poltergeist and, um, you know, a couple other ones that, you know, are famous. But this one is, this one is very much little known. It is, and I am completely skeptical. Completely okay. skeptical. Um, do tell. It, it, it has nothing to do with you. No, no. Obviously. No, no, no. Um, your article was great. You know, I read it prior to uh, this this episode. Um, I'm just extremely... I'm skeptical be, for a couple reasons. And, and okay. you, you kind of touched base a little bit. Um, fame seekers, stuff like that. Sure. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, I dug in a little bit. I didn't dig in as much as I should have. Um, mm -hmm. What's the address of this house? Um, you know what? I never did find it. And what are the names of the family that lived there? Do not know. I don't believe that Darren Ritson and uh, Mike Hollowell actually divulged that information. Now, now I am not calling... Uh, Mike Hollowell and Darren Ritson um, frauds by any means. I'm simply mm -hmm. going by this story. I could not find any information on the house. I could not find yeah. any information on the family. Okay. That bothered me to begin with. And then I saw that there was a book involved. Now, there is absolutely nothing saying that this entire story was made up just to sell a book. Okay. Now... The same can't be said for your books. The same can't be said for mine because there are a, a preponderance of things out there that back up all, all of the stories. Mm -hmm. um, the chapters, the photos, videos, all that stuff, the stuff we show here on uh, Shadow Initiative. But I could not find anything. And, and I, rule out, I rule out the fame-seeking 
on uh, behalf of the family because there is no name to be found. Okay. There, there's nothing uh, of one of these family members coming out and saying this. Um, all that can be found is information provided by these two investigators. Right. And, who failed to document anything. Okay, now that's one aspect of it. The next part that bothered me was how it was compared to the Enfield Poltergeist case. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you at home who aren't familiar with that, if you've seen The Conjuring 2, um, <laughs> that was that was what the case was. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was what the case was loosely based on. Uh, yeah, uh, extraordinarily movie. loosely. But yeah, um, go ahead. But but in my research of the South Shields uh, Poltergeist, um, it's being referred to as one of the most significant cases in the last 50 years. And that, mm -hmm. that bothers me because there's no evidence to back anything up. There's no real people coming out of the woodwork to share their story. There, there's nothing but the investigators and the book. And, and to call that a significant case, and, and, yeah, and to compare it to Enfield, to even compare it to Enfield because Enfield is questionable to begin with. You know, you, you had the children involved admit to making it up when they became adults. You know, there, there, there's all this conflicting information. And, of course, the movie just blew it out of proportion. The Warrens yeah. were never even involved in that case. Okay. Well, they, they weren't involved in that case, but they were there long enough. And I actually had Guy Lyon Playfair himself mm -hmm. tell me this. They were there long enough for him to tell them to go away. To leave, right, exactly. Yeah. They were kicked out. They weren't invited. That's the exact information um, I read. Um, so the Warrens had nothing to do with it. Uh, and... The Warrens have such a reputation for making stuff up anyway, um, with ghostwriters and all that. But uh, I, the, you compared it to a case that, that is questionable to begin with, and then to say it's a significant case with nothing, not an inkling of anything to back that up. And uh, I, I don't know, Rick. It, it's hard for me to digest. Yeah, I know, and, 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 it, and it should be. But I do offer this, okay? If there is no family name to be found, okay, it could be because they don't want it, which is entirely possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, it's 2005 and, you know, the whole paraboom had already occurred in 2004 here, but a couple years earlier in, um, in the United Kingdom. Um, maybe they just didn't want their name to be known, which I'm willing to accept that. But I do agree with you on the significance of the case. I mean, you know, I, I think that two of the most significant cases um, in the United Kingdom were, of course, Enfield mm -hmm. and um, what is uh, what is known as the Black Monk of Pontefract, which happened about 10 years earlier. And um, I personally do believe that both cases that there was, excuse me, legitimate um, uh, psychic um, manifestations involved there. Um, but at the same time, you can't deny that, yeah, at Enfield and at the Black Monk, there was, um, you know, instances of people that were trying to keep the ball rolling, mm -hmm. so to speak, you know, especially in Enfield. But yeah, to, to call it a significant case, mm, I don't know about that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I think that there, there could be some truth to it. Uh, um, but, you know, like with you, the jury is out with me on that. 
Yeah, I, I've got to take it take it with a grain of salt. Um, sure. Because I'm just such a, a video and, and photography guy, and, and and I completely agree about anonymity. Mm -hmm. You know, for every one case that I make public, there are ten where, you know, people wanted to, they wanted it to remain confidential for one reason or another. Um, yeah. So that, that's entirely acceptable. But um, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk what's new in the paranormal news and a little segment on Haunted Salvage, guys. So stick around. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons. Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois. And behold, shocking true tales of terror and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. Okay, and uh, welcome back to the Shadow Initiative TV with uh, Stephen Lancaster and myself, Rick Hale. Uh, we were just talking about the uh, South Shields poltergeist. Um, as you can see, there was there is a little bit of controversy concerning this, but, uh, you know, Stephen, like I was saying, the, the, the jury is still out with me. Um, so, you know, with that being said, there is, we're going to jump over into the paranormal um, news. And this is a good one because this is something that I think affects all of us. And it is an article written by John E. L. Tenney. I found it at CBC Radio. And uh, the headline is, Haunted House Reports on the Rise During the Pandemic, says Paranormal Researcher. Now, l let's face it. This uh, COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic has really thrown a, uh, a huge monkey wrench into all of our plans. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's keeping us all at home, but at the same time, it's also keeping us safe because I had this. You did. Um, I had this. My, my wife and my son had this. My wife, who just graduated from, um, from nursing school, she caught it when she was doing her clinicals uh, for nursing school and uh, brought it home to us. So that's, that's how I know. I know this is, this is very real. This is a very real thing. And, um, but you have people who are living in homes that are already haunted. Would you, you know, would you agree? Absolutely. So here's the, so here's the thing about what's happening is what I think. I don't think that, like I've read in other places that, um, that the pandemic is causing hauntings. What I think is happening is people are being at home more often and are forced to stay at home. So they're being forced to deal with these, um, 
paranormal forces, you know, psychic powers that are in their house. And, um, you know, they're just more aware of uh, what is going on in their homes. But I think one of the funniest, funniest part about this is the uh, writer, a reporter, when he was reporting this, uh, said there's no scientific evidence for the existence of ghosts, the newspaper uh, helpfully notes. I, I just I thought that that was funny. But, you know, the gist of the idea here is, is that we are being forced to spend more time at home. And I do believe that people are experiencing um, you know, paranormal activity that was already existing in their home, maybe even experiencing it for the first time. I absolutely agree. And, I, and I'm glad you chose that article um, for this week's Paranormal News. Um, because that, that's something to think about <clears throat> because you are seeing um, and, and it's not just us people who are into this this kind of thing uh, more yeah. people talking about it more stories coming out and uh, it makes sense you know right. when, when I retired from um, whatever you want to call it normal day job work and just focused on writing I was home a lot more so I noticed things I experienced more things um, back during the whole Norman the doll thing you know I was here 24 7 pretty much and I agree I, you know most people they work their nine to five or whatever job 40 hours a week they come home they make dinner they're doing schoolwork with the kids maybe sitting down watching some TV and then they go to bed sadly that's a lot of lives out there but now COVID, as you alluded to, I mean, we, we are, we have a completely different lifestyle now, completely, yeah. even out in public, you know, with, with the masks and everybody social distancing and, and, and all that stuff. But a lot of people are out of work or they're working remotely now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they were fortunate enough to have jobs that could make that happen to where they could continue working and, and do it from home. So yes, right. you are home more, which obviously opens up the door to having more of an opportunity to experience something so yes if if you already had suspicions your house was haunted and you have already experienced things imagine being there 24 7. you know it, it's you, you've almost taken on that role of us um who, who live and breathe in these places you yeah. know and, and try to to try to experience this stuff so and like you said, it also works the other way that maybe your house was haunted and you didn't even really know it because you don't spend a lot of time there, yeah. you know, and that makes me think just a real quick side note. I had a guy, I investigated his house. He was a truck driver. He was home one month or I'm sorry. He was home one weekend a month. Yeah. So okay. he wasn't at home a lot. He was not home a lot at all. He was lucky to be home 72 hours a month. Luckily, you know, because once he gets home, he had things he had to take care of, groceries, you know, all whatever, you know, go visit family, friends, you know, and he started experiencing things. But he said, you know, I've lived here for 25 years and I've never really noticed it until he went on vacation and spent his two weeks at home. So he was spending more time in the house and that gave him more time to notice things. That's when he called me up. I investigated his house. Um, mm -hmm. In his case... It wasn't anything paranormal. It was just household things making noise he just wasn't used to. Yeah, you um, never noticed it before. Right, but that, that's a fantastic point. People are home now, and, and it's it's on the rise. You know, it's not the dead rising from the grave or, or anything <laughs> like that, but it's uh, just more of an opportunity to, to experience it. 
Right, and I wanted to add something to that too. I've also know when I was a little bit more of an active investigator, I would get more calls during winter than I would during summer, mm-hmm. because you're spending more time at home because of the cold weather. Um, so yeah, you're a little bit more open to uh, experiencing things that, uh, you know, that you didn't, that you may not notice during the warmer months when you're out more, out and about more with your family and friends doing things. Well, if you want to bring up that point, um, you, you got to consider ionic energy too, which is natural. We give off ionic energy and it's all around mm-hmm. us, but, but ionic energy is at its peak, um, during storms, you know, thunderstorms, yeah. uh, hurricanes, snowstorms you know if you if you're from the north if you live up the north and you're getting four foot of snow dropped on you every other day that's a lot of ionic energy and it and it falls within that time period you're talking about and a lot of people are stuck home more kids are out of school more you know school closing stuff like that um it it makes total sense to me yeah yeah absolutely i I just think that it uh, you know it makes you a little bit more aware when you're around it a little when you're around it more than not Okay, well, there you guys go. So don't, you know, I, I don't know how you want to take that story now. Don't don't start sending us hate mail now that you're stuck at home because of this pandemic. It's not our fault. And now if you start experiencing anything, just consider our words a warning. Like, look, that stuff yeah. was already there. You're, you're just now. We didn't bring it into right, your home. Right, <laughs> exactly. With that being said, let's jump to some haunted salvage. couldn't really think of a cool name for the segment so it's old stuff i salvaged it and it's allegedly haunted thus the name haunted salvage Salvage. but 90 90 percent of the stuff that i have um was given to me um by clients who believed that their source of activity was coming from any particular item and they just like here take it get it out and in most cases it actually cleared up their issue whether it was an actual issue or if it was just something psychological um, it remedied their problem so I have been asked a lot because I talk a lot on Facebook about the things I collect which is mostly old toys that's the stuff I go out and get myself yeah that stuff is I, I'm, I just want to say that stuff is so awesome being a nerd who grew up in the <laughs> you know the late 70s and throughout the 80s uh, yeah I see a lot of these toys and it's like I had that <laughs> yeah yeah you should see my Star Wars section, man. It's two towers of it. Um, oh, I'm jealous. But go ahead. Sorry. Anyway, anyway. Um, so I thought, you know what? People ask about it, and I don't like going into these long diatribes, and it would be a diatribe uh, on Facebook, you know. So here, we can just do this little segment each week. And this week, I decided to pick, it's actually one of my favorites, and it's allegedly haunted. Now, I have not experienced anything with this. Okay, this is a really wicked 106-year-old Spanish decanter. Okay, and and you might not be able to tell, um, but it's leather-bound. This is all leather. Okay, That's leather? This is all leather. That is easily the coolest bottle I've ever seen. Yes, it is awesome. And I am uh, got pictures. I'm throwing them up on the screen so you guys can see better detail. Um, but, it, but it's got, you know, like the infamous Don Coyote, you know. His, his face is kind of embedded in there or whatever you want to call that. 
Um, another interesting thing that came with this piece is a 1914 dime that was made into a necklace. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, with with all of that being said, you've seen the decanter. You know it's from Spain. Um, you've got the dime here from 1914. Um, the decanter itself was early 1900s. Um, if you were to try to track down one of these and buy it, you're looking at about $600. Um, and that's not in good condition. Uh, but this was given to me by a family. Uh, obviously, what came in this thing was alcohol. Okay. Uh, the old woman who owned it traveled a lot. She had actually traveled to Spain and, and she bought it in Spain. And uh, the woman was an alcoholic. Mm. And it was ultimately uh, alcohol that took her life. Um, just it's sad. Alcoholism took her down, you know, as, as it does with a lot of people day in and day out. Um, the dime was a necklace that she wore for good luck. Now, I didn't get too much of the story as to what the dime meant to her or um, why she wore it every day, but it was something that she was wearing when she died. Um, so that adds a little more, uh, I don't know, you, you at home may call it creepiness to the story. Um, I think the fact that this, this old lady was wearing this necklace when she passed, um, it just adds more, I don't know, like an energy to this thing. You know what I mean? Um, not to sound morbid. Uh, but long story short, she had died, and the decanter was handed down and ended up to the grandchildren, who, early 30s was their age, I believe, and they claimed that... As soon as that decanter was brought into their home, they had a little area. They kind of just added it to their regular household decor, so to speak. And um, they started to experience things, and their children started to experience things. And, man, I'm having a weird case of deja vu by telling this story. Um, it's like I've told you this story before, but I know I haven't. Um, me? No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird. I've never heard this. So, anyways, long story short, I get called... I come investigate the place, and there were things I walked away from um, unexplained. They were left unexplained. That doesn't mean the place was haunted, uh, but I had a short time frame I could investigate this location because the children had to be out of the house. Um, there was a very small window of time, so I really uh, I wasn't able to give it a fair shot. Um, but when it came down to it, when it, when it came down to talking to the clients and everything, they believed since their activity started the day that that decanter brought, came into their house, they believed it was the decanter, it was their grandmother, great-grandmother, um, that was haunting the place. So she was attached to the decanter, being an alcoholic, and of course the necklace was put on it that she was wearing when she passed. Um, they had no choice but to believe with no prior activity that it was the great-great-grandmother. Yeah. So, long story short, I acquired this decanter from the clients. Um, I don't know if I could give something up like this, you know, something that was so tied to a family. Um, but at the same time, it, it's, it's not a happy story. You know, nobody was happy great-grandma was an alcoholic, you know, right. and, and nobody was happy that she, she died from it. Or died period um i guess they i guess in a way they were okay to get rid of the things that this symbolized this symbolized her death and uh i've had it here for years now um in one place or another 
in, in my studio. And, you know, I've had things happen in this house, obviously. But nothing I could tie to that decanter. But there's your Haunted Salvage of the Week, guys. A 1900, early 1900 Spanish decanter. Uh, bound in leather with a necklace from a deceased old alcoholic. Yeah, that is a that's an incredible story, and it reminds me of a uh, an investigation I did back in the uh, late '90s. The uh, family had bought a, um, a butter churn from an antique shop up in Wisconsin, and they started having activity. I think I'm going to do that one as a uh, as a ghost watch one day. Cool, that'd be great. Yeah. So yeah, that is a that is a very cool yet tragic story, and uh, you know, I just something I was noticing. I, I keep noticing what sounds like a coyote howling in the background really i thought that was on your end no i keep hearing what sounds like like a coyote i i this whole the whole time we've been doing the show i keep hearing things from your i thought it was coming from your side of no no not not me um i i live in a 100 year old farmhouse which is quite possibly the most unhaunted house in the world (laughs) but uh you know i i keep hearing this and it's like what is that? I thought maybe, you know, one of the, you know, you had something going on in the background. No, it's whisper quiet here. Oh, okay. Yeah, same here. Or is oh, that's it, kinda, it's a creature really stirring? Here, yes, it could be the Mari Lwid or one of those guys. I don't know. There's little but 13, yeah, I, 13 dwarves are running around, man. It's going to look like Gulliver's was... Travelers in here. I'm going to be all tied down later. And... <laughs> that's so nuts. So uh, I think that does it for uh, this week's show. I think so, too. Let's let's take a quick break so we can come back, close this show out, talk about what's coming next week. So, guys, stick around. Bear through these couple of commercials, and uh, we've got some cool stuff we're going to talk about when we come back. Or maybe that's just a lie so you stay longer. I don't know. But <laughs> stick around, guys. We'll be right back. Stick around. Check out the One Step Closer to Madness Network for paranormal podcasts, conspiracies, horror, and more. Like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash one step closer to madness. Okay, cool. There it is again. I didn't hear it that time. You gotta be kidding. Like, don't, like the in- entire show i keep hearing what sounds like it's either like a rooster crowing or a coyote howling well i mean we have chickens we have goats we got a oh. horse um okay but i don't know why i didn't hear it okay all right whatever all right <laughs> just hearing it the whole time it's so weird it's krampus man yeah it's krampus he, he, they didn't say what he sounded like and we're, we're you guys are hearing it here first on shadow initiative documented proof you know like they're always recording the bigfoot howl and all that stuff mm-hmm. we just got a krampus something the krampus howl the krampus crow the krampus crow we are trademarking that rick yep we're going big time we're gonna be millionaires by this time next century you know doing that haunted salvage i know we're gonna close the show out but um it did 
remind me of something that you want to talk about something that just got me right here this was uh about a year and a half ago um my, my wife and i you know every weekend we're doing like a three four hour circle around all of our normal spots looking for antiques old toys stuff like that and uh there was one location in particular that we always visit and uh it was the nicest old man i think he was 76 years old Mm -hmm. and um up on the wall let me see if i can move this here that mirror shelf there that you Mm -hmm. see okay that mirror shelf was up on the wall in the store okay and um anyways I wanted it. I thought, okay, because I'm in constant, constant need of uh, things to put things on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, with all this stuff in here. Um, with that being said, I go in there and I see it, and I ask the guy, I say, um, hey, how much for that? You know, and he's like, ah, $12. Like, really? <laughs> oh, box, not bad. And, and no, not at all. I mean, this thing's easily easily 1915 somewhere around in there mm-hmm. and uh he said let, let me go get a ladder i'll get it down for you you know i'm thinking there is no way this old man's guy I, I fully intended on getting it for him you know what mm-hmm. i mean so he comes back hauling this ladder this little old just meek old man nicest guy in the world and uh he says the ladder up i said man why, why don't you let me go up there i'll get it down he goes, no, 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 I got this. You know, stubborn old man. Yeah. He goes up the ladder. Pulls I plan it. on being one. Yeah, I'm already one. <laughs> he he pull, pulls it off, hands it down to me. And I'm like, okay, rock and roll. You know, I give him $12. I look around a little bit longer and I leave. Well, next morning, you know, I'm up early. I'm up at like 4, 4 o'clock in the morning. The dogs always have me up. And yeah. uh, I get on the internet and I get an, an email. Um, from a friend of mine, and she's like, did, did you see what happened last night? I was like, what? And she said, you know that, that uh, antique shop you go to all the time? That old man died. I was like, what? Oh, man. And the part of the story I left out um, was I was there five minutes before that store was to close. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of holding the guy up. I was that guy, you know. That every retailer in the world hates. You know, they, they either hate the Karen or, or the guy that keeps them there after close. The Ken. Or, right, the Ken. And uh, anyways, I was this guy's last customer mm-hmm. and last sale ever. And he had been, this this antique shop was his life. That's all he had done his, his whole life. And, it, and it, um, it was connected to a floral shop. That's what his wife did. And you could you mm-hmm. could walk back and forth inside to both the floral shop and to the antique shop. He did the antique shop. She did the floral shop. That's okay. what they spent. The, it was a mom and pop shop by every definition. And uh, this old man closed that shop after selling me that that's on my wall, and uh, died that night. Wow. And that that it just it got me as like I am the last person to buy something from a man who spent his whole life selling history you know and that that i like i don't know it, it just stuck with me for the longest time yeah that's something that would affect you i would think yeah that was wild i just had to i had to share that because there's nothing haunted about that it wasn't claimed to be haunted but it just made me think about i don't know why that popped up in my head but i wanted to share that thank you
You're welcome, Rick. <laughs> so next week, what 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 do you got on the table for next week? Well, uh, next week's Ghost Watch. Next week, we'll we'll finally be traveling to uh, New York's West Village, and taking a look at the one if by land, two if by sea, a uh, restaurant upscale restaurant mind you that is uh, haunted by its history and it has some very significant ghosts that haunt that restaurant some of our founding fathers that's correct and if you guys remember watching the debut episode that was the original plan for this episode yes but with the christmas one we needed a christmas story right christmas ghost watch rick just took uh the words right out of my mouth so with you going that route um mm -hmm. i'll go ahead and just stay with the restaurant theme and uh, I'm going to cover Pugin's Porch Restaurant out of Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, okay. probably it's probably been about 11 years since I've investigated that location. But at that time, um, not that this means anything, but the Travel Channel had deemed it the third most haunted restaurant in the world. And that is what garnered my attention. Okay. And long story short, investigated it, got some really cool... The best thing to come out of it was a picture. And that, that's what I'm going to be talking about and showing the most next week is a picture um, of Zoe St. Amand. Really cool okay. name. Really cool name. Really cool story behind it. And uh, it, it's like I talked about the, the thermal image on our first episode being in my top mm -hmm. five. This picture is in my top five photographs ever taken where there is no question kind of kind of like your tinker swiss photo you see it you know it's there there's no ifs right. ands or buts about it this is the same thing down to detail detail well if you build this up it I, it, it, it built. better be good it, it is be built good. so we're going to do your two if by land three if by sea or one if, one if by, by land, land two if by sea there's math involved folks um <laughs> We're going to do that one. We're going to do Pugin's Porch Restaurant. Um, kind of like you were talking about the Congress Hotel last last episode. Celebrity staying there. Um, Pugin's Restaurant is on that same level. Like okay. all down their hallways are pictures of like Jim Carrey, Jack Nicholson, people who have hate there. It's like the place to be. Um, okay. So it was a privilege to investigate the location. And uh, we'll have some more haunted news for you. Some more haunted salvage. Rick and I'll figure out the creature of the week. It's good, you know. We're going to be doing our show on New Year's Day, Rick. Oh yeah, it's going to be 2021 be when we do oh, our show. So finally, 2020 is just. I think has. Uh, I, I think has pr pretty much given us a collective PTSD in this country. Yes, we're going to be. You guys are going to be bringing in the new year. I mean, the new year will technically already be brought in, but it'll be New Year's Day, the first day of 2021. And you guys can be here with us. And you'll be spending Christmas with us, too. So, yes, hey, it's, it's, it's something to do. We are the gift that keeps on giving. We are the we, we are the hosts with the most ghosts. Or we're that gift, or, or maybe we're compared to, like, the soft package that you get. And you're like, man, <laughs> is this socks again, you know, boxers? No, we are not the socks. We are the uh, Star Wars... Death Star gift, you know, so yeah, we're good. So you can obviously tell that Rick and I are out of the game now. We're not trying to pick up women anymore when we openly admit to Star Wars stuff and collecting toys 
and you know it's it's over it's over for us we are I, ha- I, happily happily married people <laughs> I, I i wear my geekdom right here on my sleeve man everybody knows and he brags about it you know so there again it validates my point let's see i i wear uh, my wife's Aww. name wife's name right there so that's that way, adorable you know, every day when i wake up that's the first thing i see that is adorable somebody's getting lucky tonight <laughs> Well, guys, one more time, we want to thank you guys for tuning in on Christmas, especially. Um, if you're watching thank this you. as an archive, thank you for that, too. First episode, almost a thousand listeners. That's fantastic. We can't do this without you guys, your ideas, your participation. Don't be afraid. If you want to jump in and chat oh, with, share us, with us, share, share with us. You know, we, we'll talk about your stuff on this show. You know, I've got friends hitting me up left and right. Hey, I need to tell you my ghost story. We're like, We'll bring you on the show. You know, you can tell it on mm-hmm. the show. You know, we're about to start doing interviews, which is really cool. Rick has got um, a great list of people um, we're going to be bringing on the show. Um, special guests that we're going to be very fortunate enough to have. I've got a list of people. Um, so pretty much in the new year, that's how Shadow Initiative TV is going to evolve. Every other episode, we are going to have a special guest that's going to bring you even more paranormal. To your Friday night. You will enjoy it, we guarantee. It's going to be like must-see TV. Yes. Man, we're definitely getting sued. All these product <laughs> placements and <laughs> using other people's trademark slogans. Definitely getting sued. You know what, though? I, I doubt very highly that they're even going to pay attention to us. Well, you know what? If they sued me, they'd be suing me for the stuff I have, and it would it would come back to me. It would come back. <laughs> They'd be like, A, I'm not getting any women now. B, my house is haunted now. You know? So, I'm not Steven, worried about it. Steven, I'm not going down for you or anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you know, this actually isn't even Steven and Rick. We're using CGI animated effects. Technology's that good now. So, oh, yeah. yeah. you would be suing computer-generated images that's using our voice. I'm actually much better looking than this. Yeah, I did that on purpose so I looked better. It didn't All work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, guys. Go ahead, Rick. I was just going to say thank you, everybody, for watching again. And uh, really, have a Merry Christmas. Uh, please stay safe, stay healthy, uh, be with us again next year in 2021. Yeah, when we see you guys, maybe we're going to see you guys next year. That makes yep. it sound so far away, but it's not. It's not. It's another one of the time loop things. Anyways, guys, please like, subscribe, comment, all that YouTube stuff that you hear all these other geeks say. And uh, we'll see you on New Year's Day. Take care. <laughs>